Hey everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard. That, that is what we do. It's 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 in the name of the site. Factual and statement. Podcast and everything, yeah. Uh, I'm Matt. That was Joe. Uh, we're doing the podcast. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about all the stuff that happened last week, like literally the day after we did the previous podcast, just like we said they were going to do. Yep. We, so we called um, it, said it, said it out loud. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, first off, because you know we were we were honored to have Melanie Rao on our show two weeks ago in Lore Watch. I want to mention that her novel uh, Shadows Rising has gone live in the United States and Canada today. Um, I think it's still like hard for people in Europe to get their hands on it for some reason that I don't understand. But if you are in those countries and you have gotten hold of the book, cool. I'm glad you got it because it's a really good book. Uh, she was a fantastic interview, and she's really d- done something interesting with this book. So I wanted to, to tell people it's out. Go get it. Go read it. It's good. Highly, um, highly recommended. And uh, you can also, I mean, if find her on social media because Madeline Rue is an amazing person and hilarious. She's awesome. So now that we've done that, because I I felt like it was it's news. So there. Uh, let's talk about all the Shadowlands stuff that got revealed last week. And not just they did a, an enormous dev update first. They did that on Wednesday, of course, as we record on Tuesdays. Of course, they did it on Wednesday. And then after that, they went around and did like a ton of interviews. Just so many. Um, I don't. There's roundup pieces online that you know, here's all the interviews because there's a ton of them. Uh, Joe and I are not. We we can't possibly keep up with everything. So if we miss. Your favorite piece of Shadowlands news, by all means, go ahead and yell at us in the chat because Joe is looking at the chat. Or just think really hard about how terrible we are and we'll know that you're thinking that because we're sensitive. We'll, we'll, we'll feel, feel it. Bad. We'll feel it. Yeah. Our souls will just, what's left of them will, 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 will ache. It's true. Yeah, we will feel bad. So go ahead and make us feel bad if you'd like. Or, you know, you could go to the site uh, and cut, leave comments or, you know, go to our Discord and leave comments there and we'll see them and we'll, uh, we'll again, we'll feel bad. But first up, uh, the thing that I, I, I feel like we got to go cover first is that Shadowlands is now going into its beta as of sometime this week. We don't know exactly when. We don't, you know, as Joe and I talked about in the pre-show, as far as we know, it's still the alpha. Yeah, it, right and they, they mentioned, like, this week between literally today, the day we are recording, and the end of the week. Yeah, so all we know is that it is going to happen soonish, which means I have to take a drink, so Joe's going to talk for a little bit. I am so parched. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, it's one of those things where we don't know, they might not even announce it. It might just be one of those things where we start seeing people, uh, start to get more invites and probably there'll be an update push to the people that do have, uh, already have alpha access. And we'll start to see that start to like make the rounds. Normally we start seeing that just a little bit before the official announcement. So I would not be surprised, uh, if we start seeing the, uh, the social media verse commenting about ooh, new download and then next thing you know, we're officially in beta. Yeah. Uh, one, two things I want to mention really fast. First up, if you want to get into the beta and so not everyone does, but a, a lot of us do, um, don't fall for anything weird. Like yeah. Get, there's a lot of in, scams already going out. Yeah. If you get an email telling you, Oh, Hey, do this to get into the beta. It's not legit. If you get, if you're in game and somebody tells you they're a GM and they want to upgrade your account to beta, it's it's BS. If you're you see websites that say you know here this is the the only website you should go to for this is Blizzard's official site. 
And you don't, all you have to do there is opt in. Yep. You don't have to do anything else. If nope. anything is asking you to give them your information, it's not Blizzard. Blizzard doesn't need you to give you them their, your information. They already have it. No, they, they, they're, they're completely aware of who you are. They, they, they take money from you every so often so that you play this game. They, they don't need you to like sign up on a special thing and put in all your information. That's a scam. So right now, if you want to get into the beta, go to the official site. There's an opt-in for the Shadowlands beta. You just click it. Um, when you do that, you're now listed. You get added into a pool that, that they gets drawn from when they decide to let somebody into the alpha or beta. Sorry. And when it happens, you will simply look at one day. You will be looking on your launcher, and it will be there. Yep. It's it is that simple. And you'll get an email eventually saying, "Hey, you're in." When you get that email, if it's a legit email, you, it won't ask you for to do anything. No, it'll tell you to go to your launcher. It'll tell you go to your launcher, look here, it'll be there waiting for you. Like All right. I was going to say like, it, it basically it'll just give you a set of instructions of where to look in your launcher to start installing the game. And that's how you know it's legit. <laughs> yeah, basically the less it asks you to do, the more likely it is to be for real. Yeah. All right. We've covered that, and I feel like that's a good thing to cover. It is a good thing let's to cover. Talk, now let's talk about all the stuff we've discovered for Shadowlands. Oh, jeez. Uh, which is quite a bit. Um, Joe, what's what's your, your off the top of your head, the first thing you'd like to talk about? Uh, I mean, again, and we should probably throw it in here that there'll probably be some mild spoilers, because there's stuff that we're going to talk about. Like, if you're not really keeping up on the news, we should really give you that warning now. Uh, we understand... Uh, hate to he hate to see you go, but we'll be here waiting for you when you want to hear about it. Uh, but with that said, uh, a couple of the things that I'm actually really interested in, or at least the first thing that comes to mind, is the fact that like there's going to be weekly events in the Covenants, and it's going to be. I, I don't think they've announced a lot of them. I think the the one the one that really sticks out to me is the Venthyr one, because you're literally throwing a party. You're throwing a party for the denizens of of the the Venthyr area like it's Revendreth Revendreth excuse me yeah um yeah my brain sometimes skips a beat folks sorry but I think that's kind of cool because we talk about how Revendreth is all like this all doom and gloom and you must suffer for all of all of this and through suffering be cleansed and it's like yeah but now we gotta throw a party here's some wine and maybe some blood who knows like it's just one of those cool little things where it's like yeah that that feels like something that they might do if this was a uh, real immersive place. Come on, Revendreth feels very much like, you know, you, 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 it's, it's an entire zone that's based around someone's vampire LARP that went totally out of hand. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem believing that they have massive parties. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a good fit. And it's one of those touches that I think... How do I, how do I phrase this? One of my biggest criticisms of WoW over the years is that it's been very, very MMO and not enough RPG. And this feels a little more RPG-y, where they're starting to add little things into these areas to make them feel more like you'd find them in a tabletop RPG or something like that, which I think is always a good thing. So, what about you? I mean, what? you've almost triggered the rant I have about why video games do the combat part of games way better than tabletop does. Well, I mean, that's just a given. It's not just a given. There's a rant. I could be having it, but we're not going to because it's nothing to do with Shadowlands. Uh, but okay, taking a breath, getting myself ready. Goose um, Raba. There's there's a lot of stuff 
the, one of the things I liked was the the way that they outlined how covenants are going to work. Okay. Um, in that you're going to basically, it's kind of like the, there's a combination of the order hall and the garrison going on here, and that each covenant has, for lack of a better word, its its sanctum, its seat of power. Uh, and you'll you, as you level through each zone, you'll you'll be exposed to the the four of them. You'll you'll go to each place and see it, and then when you hit level sixty and you pick the covenant you're in, you you get locked into that co- that sanctum. That's the one that you go to. That's your hub, and that makes that zone kind of your hub zone. So like say you pick the Curian. Then at 60, you, you choose the Kyrian, you become a member of the Kyrian Covenant. The Kyrian starting zone, the Bastion, now becomes your zone, for lack of a better word. And your their, their, their fortress becomes your seat of power that you work to upgrade. Like, you go out into the zone, and you do stuff that's not as simple as just quests. Like, you do various activities, including quests to gain, you know, resources for your fortress to get stronger to like each each one will have a fast travel system across the whole zone which is like good. for instance the uh, the one that they mentioned that I that, that sticks in my head is the in Ardenweald there's like a route system that goes through the whole zone that you use to travel. Yeah, travel via and, plants. Awesome. And as you're doing that you're upgrading you're getting more anima to to make it stronger. You're you're activating features like that. You get the each each order hall, each covenant has what that thing like Joe said. He talked about the party um, for the Kyrian. It's like you basically get a fight club, and it's kind of like a combination of a fight club and the 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 brawlers guild. In that you use you use other characters like your soulbind characters are the ones who fight for you. You don't go in as yourself. You go in as those characters. And so it's kind of like a Pokemon arena where you use your soul binds as Pokemon. So that's like, whoa, this is really weird. Uh, and then like the, the in one in Ardenweald is basically like, it's like the farm back in mm-hmm. Pandaria, but with souls. Like you're farming people's souls. Um, and then there's, I forget what the last one is, Meldrax. Oh, right, in Meldraxis, you basically have like a monster factory for like abominations and undead and stuff. You basically are build, you're building different kinds of undead. That's got to be a nod. If it's actually called Monster Factory, that's got to be a nod to the McElroys. I think it's called an <laughs> Abomination Factory or something. But the thing is, is that the McElroys are... That's like, you don't remember the actual Monster Factory from when we were kids? I do, yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I think it's a nod to. I don't think... You know, nothing against the McElroys, but they didn't invent that. I didn't think they did, but I'm just saying. But, uh, they, so there's all stuff like that. And there's a lot of... In, there's, like, unique detail to a lot of it. Um, I was also interested to find out that they're going to be bringing the mission table back. But yeah, but they're, they're upgrading it. They're changing it. I don't even know what to call what they're doing to it. because It's auto chess. Try- you know what it feels like? I mean, it does kind of feel like auto chess, or it feels like, you know how they all have all those, all those mobile games like Raid, Shadow Fortress, yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's like they're putting one of those in World of Warcraft. Which like They're st- straight up putting a mobile game in, and it's like, I'm looking at this and going, this feels to me like it's something they're going to eventually put on a mobile device. What's going to be interesting to me is to see how people react to this in game yeah. versus considering how heavy the backlash has been for Blizzard mobile games in general. Like 
this is going to be interesting. But I like the idea that they're doing something different because mission tables have been tired for a very long time since they were first implemented. They got they they haven't done anything new. This is I, new. I felt like I felt like the Legion mission table was pretty close to the perfect execution of the mission table as in that format where it would, where it didn't change much. They just changed little things about it. Um, I felt like the the one in 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 uh, Warlords was a little too much. Like it was like they 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 got they got the idea and then they just went crazy with it and it was like you could you could play just mission table stuff and barely even do anything else in the game mm-hmm. and I felt like that was too much. I thought Legion got it about as well as it could. I know Sylvie. I'm sorry. That was Sylvie, right? That was that was uh, Tris. <laughs> sorry, I got your name wrong. I'm sorry, Tris. Um, but I didn't think that the mission table felt like it was doing anything. In, in Battle for Azeroth. And I felt that way about a couple other systems, too. Like, I liked Island Expeditions, but they felt utterly disposable. They weren't what... Okay, so we talk about this sometimes, too, and I, I got, I'm got. i just going to make this comment and then we can move on, but, like, sometimes they will talk about implementing a system and they'll want to do something very specific with it or they want to do more than what they have time to actually produce, and Island Expeditions felt like one of those things. It felt like one of those things that they wanted to do so much more with and just couldn't because resources needed to be spent elsewhere. I don't know if that's the case. I don't I don't know what the deal is with Island Expeditions. And usually I'm all for a system that that feels like I can take it or leave it. Like I I love that pet battles feel take it or leave it to me. Because I don't because I left them. I don't do pet battles. I never have done pet battles. I never will do pet battles. Pet battles don't interest me in the slightest. And I'm I think that's great. I think it's great that there's a system in the game that if you want to do it, here's got all this depth and depth and complexity, and you can you can play it like so like you can seriously go nuts with it, and that's great. And I don't have to. And then there's transmog where like some people are like I don't care what my armor looks like, and I'm like give me all the appearances, oh god. Yeah, like that. That's my Pokemon, as far as this yeah. game is concerned. And and there's just. I felt like with Island Expeditions, they 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 had that thing where like you know it's the most efficient way to get Azerite. And for some people, that made it a must-do because they were trying to get as much Azure as possible. But I always felt like I always feel this way in, in any of these things. I felt like this way with with, with artifact power, and I'm. It's one of the reasons I'm interested in seeing what happens with Anima because they, they're doing Anima differently as well. Um, but they had to call it Anima though, so it could still be AP. <laughs> yeah. But but with a uh, with both Legion and Battle for Azeroth, I never tried to grind those systems. I never tried to get as much as possible. Because you always end up, what, what that ultimately gives you is if you are cutting edge, it gets you a week or two ahead of everybody else. And that's it. Like, if, if you take your time and don't worry about it, you end up at pretty much the same place anyway. It just takes you a little longer to get there. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that's why I'm interested in seeing, one of the things that they talked about is, instead of having stuff be on a system like it is now, where you can grind up so much at a time... They're tying it to the renowned system that you're going to have with your covenant, and they're doing that with flying too. We should probably talk yeah. a little bit about the renowned system, then, right? Sure. You go ahead. You you said you, you have to do it. <laughs> oh, geez, throwing it at me now. Uh, so renowned is covenant specific. It's a meter progression system that will measure and build. Uh, basically, it's it's almost like reputation, but uh, it influences your connection with your soul binds, who you choose for that. Uh, and it also allows you to make progress through repairing and upgrading, like Matt was talking about, your chosen area, your sanctum. Uh, it's an 
it's not an open-ended grind, which I think is really, really interesting. And I'm really happy to hear that because one of the things that like Artifact Power and Azerite Power have always, they just, they just feel so bad is it's endless. It is an endless treadmill. There's no end goal. Like if you're going for a reputation and you hit Exalted, you at least have an end goal and you can hit Exalted yeah. and like, yeah, you even, hit, even you have if a you... mark. Even if they do that stuff with reputation, where now you have Paragon reputation, you, you still feel like it. you you hit something. You, you got an accomplishment. Ding. Yeah, our brains are wired to want a ding. We want that feeling of I'm done. You know, I mean that that's if there's no feeling of I'm done, you you just stop because you're, yeah. you're like this is there's no point. It's never going to get anywhere. Um, now, right, like, rightly or wrongly, that is how our brains work. Yeah, and the, and and that's totally fair. But along that same vein. Renown's also going to have a lot of other things with it as well. Uh, so, like, there are going to be rewards where you can get transmogs, mounts, pets, titles, stuff like that, so that you feel like you're accomplishing things as you're going through. Um, gaining Renown increases item level of world quest items. Uh, gaining Renown can earn you legendary recipes. Uh, it will... They did say that it is going to be part of the Shadowlands Pathfinder, which we kind of expected that there was going to be one. Uh, I know some people were real upset about hearing there's going to be another Pathfinder, but at this point, we've had how many expansions with it? It's here. Yeah. And it's going to be a catch-up system uh, in place for alts to keep going through this as well. It's It is sounds really good on paper right now. It sounds like everything a system like this should have should strive to be. You can do what you need to do. You don't necessarily have to feel overwhelmed. Uh, you can have these endpoints where you've done what you need to do, whether it was like your two quests per week uh, or whatever it is, and then you can move on with the rest of your life. You don't feel like you have to keep grinding it. And that, to me, is real dang good. So, I'm interested in seeing it because it feels like they're trying to systemize something that they've done kind of... With with both Legion and Battle for Azeroth, they had the emissaries. Yes. Where there's only so many emissaries you can have up at a time. You don't have to do them immediately. Like if you an emissary pops, okay, yeah, I like days. that emissary, but I'm going to take a, like a day off and see what the emissary after it is. And you can wait and maybe do it, maybe not do it. And there's like you know you you, you have like a, you can you can basically take one day and just blitz three emissaries down. Or you can do one every time that pops up, and there's a little bit of flexibility. It feels like they're trying to build that flexibility into the system with Renown, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, uh, we, we really haven't talked much about the Soulbinds, and I, I will, and the worst part is I forget the names of these things, and it's it's driving me crazy because the there's with this game, like with with, with Shadowlands, your Covenant is is relatively easy to drop. But it's really hard to get a new one. Like if you if say you you, you pick the Kyrian Covenant, mm -hmm. and then you decide no, I don't want the Kyrian Covenant. I'm gonna go over to the the Necro Lords. You can drop the Kyrians pretty easy. That's not a problem. But the Necro Lords, like I don't. Why would we trust you? You picked the Kyrians, and meanwhile the Kyrians are mad at you because you just left them. They're not gonna take you back. So that's an interesting wrinkle to the system where you can get out of it quickly. But you can't get into a new one very quickly. You have to earn your way into it. Uh, we don't know how that's going to work because there's only one covenant currently on the uh, alpha, the, the vent there, and I, I, I don't want to do the vent there. They're bad. Um, that's not true. I'm just being me. Uh, but, but 
while that's the case, and your soul binds are, are very important, and those are ones you pick up as you go through. They're they're part of the covenant experience. The there's a there's a basically something that it's effectively of gems that you can put in. It's almost like talent. It's talent specific or power specific. And my God, I can't believe I still can't remember the name of this. This is very annoying. Are you talking about the? Uh, oh, now I'm can't remember what the heck they're called. See. It's very annoying. It's also very contagious. Jeez. Yeah. Conduit. Um, thank you. Conduit. Thank, thank you, you. Autoluke. Oh, I'm staring at it. I'm looking at it. Conduit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the conduits are more akin to. They're. There's. They feel like flavor-wise, they're kind of going for the same thing as, in previous expansions, would be gems or. Maybe even inscriptions like you know oh I, I alter my power to do this thing sort of it, and they they're they're people aren't necessarily happy about the implementation that is currently being discussed keep in mind that i say implementation that's being discussed no one has seen this yet it is not currently available to do much with um but the conduits are basically like you 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 apply a conduit and it alters your powers in some specific way that's like based around the conduit and your abilities so I, I want to hear more about it. I want to see it in action. I have not seen it in action yet, despite being pretty active on the alpha. But I am, I'm definitely very curious about how conduits are going to work because this, the whole system with soulbinds, it's it, it's weird, guys. This is like, we've had followers in the past. We've had people who've like, you know, done stuff with us. Uh, I remember the Broken Shore. I, I remember running around and having Crowley show up because he was the warrior one. For if you were Alliance, and he just would be following you around, screaming, "Ah, I'm going to fights with you," but I've never had. It's like if I had that guy suddenly giving me a new power. I mean, we're we're the companions at this point. Kinda, <laughs> sort of. It, it kind of does work that way. Which I mean, a lot of people were saying that they didn't like that World of Warcraft made them feel like a super duper unstoppable like feature character, and now you kind of got your wish in in Shadowlands. You're kind of like somebody's buddy. It's like the, the game experience of being the sidekick. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if people like it. They, there's been a lot of people saying they didn't like feeling like the unstoppable hero. Now you get to be the the useful Sancho Panza. So, And I mean, and I'm fine with that. The thing that I'm looking forward to is the customization. Uh, like looking at the soul binds, looking at the paths that they're laying out and looking at what's, you know, you can start to do with it. And they're not complete yet. Like the information we have, obviously, they're still working on it. And, you know, if you go to, to Wowhead and you, you plug in, they have soul bind calculators already starting to go up. Like a lot of the stuff is spell not found or, you know, to be determined. But there's some really cool stuff that they're starting to do with it that I, I mentioned earlier that it seemed like they're trying to put more RPG into the game. That's what this feels like a little bit, too. And that's one of the things that, like, the brief time that I played Path of Exile, like, the skill trees are insane in that game. But you feel like you're customizing your character your way. Uh, this has a little bit of that flavor. Not a lot, because it's still an MMO, and you still have to, to you know, have a certain, like, demark point where... You know, this anything makes where sense. A game is not, yeah, a game isn't meant. Certain games aren't meant to be worried about like what's. If one character comes off way more powerful than other characters, you're playing more or less by yourself. It doesn't really matter. Even with yeah. Path of Exile, even though it is, you know, it's it's a game that has its elements, it's still 
at the end of the day, you can have unbalances. Whereas in a game like WoW, if one class is way ahead of other classes to do the same thing, people will stop taking the other classes. Yeah. So, but it's it's kind of cool because I'm looking at some of these things that I'm, I'm and I'm already starting to see like, okay, this seems really cool. Like there's one, uh, the Night Fae for uh, Koran. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but sure, why not? Uh, like there's an entire tier of just like reducing damage incoming to you and they're all different, but they all serve the same function and they're all roughly uh, within the same percentage wise. So it's not massively different. It's just what flavor of damage reduction do you want to have? Do you want to have it be reactive for you casting spells? Do you want to have it be, uh, you know, from you being offensive in your spell casting, or do you want to have it just be uh, something where literally you stand still and become an immovable object? Like that's a cool set of choices based off of your play style. And like, and I'm approaching this from the, the aspect of like a restoration shaman because I mean that's main that's what I mainly play. And like I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I could see myself because I don't do a whole lot of moving. Maybe I might take that one that it's called hold the line, where I might sit my butt down. And, and have that damage reduction because I'm not moving anywhere or because I always have flame shot going because I always have offensive spells going because that's just part of my healing kit at this point. Maybe I'll take the one that's, you know, it's called first strike. Maybe I'll just do that one. Like it's options and it feels it feels good. It feels good to see like sort of that RPG choice being implemented in. So like I'm I'm getting excited and I was already excited for the expansion as a whole, but now I'm getting excited for the systems, which is a weird sign. Anybody who's been listening to us for, for any of this, the length of time knows that when I start to get excited about systems, that means the game's starting to be real to me. <laughs> and this is what cemented it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm still not 100% on the systems because I'm still waiting to... Like, once we get... When we're in an alpha test, I never get attached to systems. Because they can change. Because yeah, they can change. They can go away. I, I remember, you know, Path of the Titans. Um, that, that didn't that didn't last even like it didn't even make it into an alpha. So I never get too excited until we're actually in a beta. Because once we are in a beta, that's when you know stuff might change. But if it changes, it's because it's com it has completely failed to work the way they wanted it to. The, you get to the, the beta test part of the game. That's when you know they they're looking at okay, we want to start shaping this game to release it. So these are the things we're going to be working on. These are the things we want feedback on. So I haven't really been looking at the systems too in too much depth. I, I've tanked a little. I've messed around as DPS a little. What I've really been spending a lot of time focusing on, and I know we've talked about it on a couple of podcasts already, and we'll talk about it in future, but the visual customization options are starting to really come in. Um, Orcs got, an, got their more upgraded, expanded ones recently. Uh, and... Some games are, are like so far ahead of where World of Warcraft is in terms of customization that even these changes still don't fix that. They don't no. bring the game they don't bring the game up to if this game came out in 2020 you would expect this. But they are so much more than what currently exists that it's kind of staggering. I spend a lot of time every time I go on to the alpha I spend like an hour looking at options that didn't exist before. Um, some some are like like trolls. If you play a troll on day one when Shadowlands goes out, go to a barber shop. Yeah. Go immediately. Yep. 
and you will find so many more options than you currently Ooh. have. This actually seems like a really good time to also interject because we're talking about customization. The fact oh, right, that yeah. They're, yeah, they're go going on. to they're going to let you change the sex of your character in the barber shop, and yeah, people, you can just it, twitch and, it. And I don't want to hear any any bad taste jokes about it. It's just it's about time, and it's such a cool thing because there have been many times where I've swapped my character's sex in the game or gender, whatever you want to call it. Like I've switched the toggle from the binary in World of Warcraft because it felt right for that character in that story. And I'm that type of person that my characters have running stories uh, that this is nice. I don't have to spend real world money to go do it. I can just pay gold, whatever the fee yeah. is, and do it, which is great. Right now in game, if you want to do that, if you want to have your character. What, like, 20 so you, bucks? You, yeah, it's, you have to basically go to the, re, the complete recustomization thing. It's 20 bucks. Uh, it, it's... Currently, to do that, you, you also can do a bunch of other options, and now you it's all in the barbershop. Yep. Like, so it's that is a really cool thing. Um, look at it, what the time is here, because oh, we that, do actually have to do other things. We can, but I also want to say that not only are they letting players have sort of that freedom of ability as well, but they're also going through and they're revamping like city guards as well with these customizations. So not only are the players going to have these options to have themselves represented how they want to, you're going to see more diversification of how the character models for guards are, are going to be presented. Like you're going to walk for, around yeah, Stormwind or Orgrimmar and, yeah. Yeah, and you're going to see more NPCs using these options, which is really nice to hear as well. I, I do think too, like, the, we, we should point out that, you know, it, they still haven't finished everything. No, it's, still it's got a long way options. to go. They're still working on them. Um, one of the, like I play, like I've said, I have said in the past, you guys have heard me talk about my struggles with playing my night elf in battle for Azeroth. To the point where I re-rolled a different warrior, got it up, got it geared, got it ready for Shadowlands. And then they, they put in all the customization options for Night Elves, and I was like, oh, I'm going to still be playing my Night Elf, aren't I? <laughs> oh, well. And it's like, I don't think you really, until, you, until you've gotten a chance to get your hands on it and look at it, th there are still, I feel like everything they've added is great. They should just add more. That's how I feel about the customization options. I, they, they have, for instance, for Night Elves, they have like three necklace options that you can add. And that's great. I want eight necklace options or 12 or 20. I mean, I'm, I know that's crazy, but I'm just saying if they continue to add these options throughout the rest of the game, if they, just hi if they have the people who work on these things just keep working on them forever, I would not be upset. And, I mean, it's really like... I haven't talked about humans much because I don't play humans that much. I mean, I'm playing a game where I don't have to be a human anymore. Why wouldn't I? Um, I'm a human all day. Uh, it's, it's something I've, I'm actually quite quite dissatisfied with is the amount of human that I am on a daily basis and that it is constant, constant human. And I want like a lot less of it. But they, they have actually added a ton of really interesting options if you're playing a human that, that mm -hmm. make them feel distinct and different and new and cool. Um, in a way that they haven't felt in a long time, and that's the case for a lot of them. Like, um, like blood elves. Blood elves finally feel like distinct. Not just distinct. Distinct. They've always felt. They finally feel like elves. Like where you look at a night elf and a blood elf, and you can get how you get from one to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they feel like they're in the same lineage, right? Like, there's some of the skin tones they now have on night elves 
you can you see that and you're like, okay, I can get how that could turn into this skin tone. I can get how you'd get from these guys to these guys. And then the night el- the blood elves have so many different options that are unique to them. And the night elves have options you've never seen on them before. Um, there's this particular skin tone they have they've added for night elves that is just almost jet black that I love. Yeah, I think really that's good. great. I love that skin tone. And they've 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 done more with a lot of them. Like some of them are really the the one that really that crossed that caught me off guard with how much I thought they did great work on is is the Forsaken. Yeah, um, I I'm not a big Forsaken player. I never have been, and it didn't change my mind or anything. But if you are a Forsaken player, again, I'm going to say if if you play if you play anybody, go to the barber shop the first day. Yeah, take your character there. Don't you're going to get a thing saying, "Come on up to Ice Crown. Stuff's happening." Ignore that. Go to the barber first. Go to the barber shop. Yes. The world's in danger. Yeah, yeah, I will be right there. I just Listen, need to get a trim. If I've learned anything from late 90s, early 2000 movies, it's that the barbershop is always the first place you go before anything else. This just makes perfect logical cinematic sense. Just saying it now. But when you go, you will, you, it is, it is startling how much. Yeah, see, exactly. Absolutely. Oh, I am sorry about that one. <laughs> but in, in all sincerity, Basically, one of the things that happens is you you do feel like, oh my god, I can suddenly make these choices for my character. I can choose eye color. I can choose to have facial scars. Um, and those scars can affect my eye color because one of my eyes can not glow anymore. And you can do that. Um, there's a lot of these options that they put together a feeling. Like you, you, when you put together your orc and you, you have more options in terms of what their face looks like, their hair color, their hairstyle, uh, details like facial scarring. Details like necklaces and jewelry, like you know, all that stuff, scars um, on the body. You can have like full body tattoos for some some races. These are things that make your character feel more like it's yours. And I think that it's really good to see. It really changes the gameplay. And I know for some people that doesn't, they don't care. I know that that that's true. And there's a lot of other stuff to focus on in Shadowlands. So much. I mean, we could do an entire show just talking about stuff that they revealed. Uh, Joe, how much lore do you want to dump? Do you want to do it again? E? Do you want to like, save that for lore watch and just? Move I think on we to should save that for. I think we should save that for lore watch. We've we've got enough stuff that I think we can cover on here specifically. All right, let's move on then to do some emails. Uh, if you've got an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line, you know, podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Um, this week we kind of were a little sparing on emails because I didn't want to like I didn't want to like push. The, the, too far in and then not be able to do any of them but we got a few and uh, Joe's going to read them for us so if you don't mind Joe not at all uh, our first question actually is going to loop back to something we talked about a little bit earlier uh, with the barbershop uh, in greetings watchers in Shadowlands Blizzard is letting you change the gender of our characters do you think they will also let us change our character name not all names are unisex uh, keep up the awesome podcast regards Mahara Silverspring undead priest of Agra EU I, I, I went and tested so. this uh, I, on the alpha right now I went to the barbershop and tested it it's not currently implemented so I couldn't test it out and tell you if they're going to do that. I think they should absolutely let you do that. That that feels like it is necessary. Um, but I can't say if they've thought of it or not. My suggestion to you guys is if you have an active account right now, go to the forums 
and leave that comment. Make sure they know that, you know, if you don't have an active account, tweet it at them. Uh, just tweet it at Blizzard CS straight up. Make sure that they're aware of that. I'm sure that they are aware of it, but it, it's always good if you can be in, like, don't be a jerk about this, but make sure to let them know, hey, guys, this is great what you're doing, but what about my name? Like, I don't want to be, you know, you know, or I don't want to be big McLarge huge anymore. If I'm switching to a girl, I'd, I'd like to have a different name. Although Big McLarge Huge is a fine name for a girl, quite frankly. Um, if, if you have a name that you don't feel like, if you named your character Steve and you don't think it works anymore, you should be able to change it. I absolutely think you should. And I think you should be able to do it right in the barbershop. You shouldn't have to pay for it. I, I agree. The only thing I would add to that is that while I think we should have that option, uh, as Audi Luke has put, I can't even talk today. Sorry. Sorry, my friend. Um, pointed out in chat, name change could be something that's prone to abuse. Um, and there are people who would do that to, you know, make rather crude jokes or statements or, or names that they shouldn't and then change them before they get caught or whatever. Um, I think yeah, there there's, could be a, there's ways you could, put, you could basically make it so you can only do it once every that's couple of days. That's exactly what I was going to say is if they put a cooldown on it, I think that helps that a little bit. Uh, so if yeah. you actually pick, take some time and say, okay, well, you can do it once every two weeks or something like that, that's at least reasonable. It still lets players have that freedom to change their names because I absolutely agree with Mahara here, which is not every name fits every you know gender. They're not all unisex. Like Sometimes it just doesn't feel right and a name change is appropriate. So I hope <clears throat> that they look at it and I hope that that's something that they, they even consider. Yeah, I, to to a degree, I mean, too. I mean, I'm not. This is a good place to jump onto another topic that is somewhat related to what you were just talking about. In that, there's always going to be stuff that is only necessary because some people are going to ruin it. Yeah, and it's like as you got as you were suggesting that it's the first thing that came to my into my head was, yeah, that's only necessary because some people are going to be jerks. And, and unfortunately, that's, that's unfor the world we live in. Yeah, that's that's think way things are. That's the world. And that's the reason for a lot of systems that you that exist in game that you may not even think about. Like the, the reason that you can't server transfer and then immediately go do some raiding is because they need to lock that down because people will will people will literally pay to jump servers repeatedly just to do more farming and get more gear. That was something that people were actually doing when they first rolled that out. That's in, when they were testing it. That's the first thing people pointed out was, yeah, uh, people are going to totally use this to farm the same raid six times. And so that's why if you if you join a new guild and you jump servers to be in that guild, you can't immediately go do dungeons and raids with them. Mm -hmm. You have you have a cooldown period where you can't do anything, and that's. That's very much going to need to be here. Yeah, that, that's true. That's absolutely true. And it's very annoying because I know that if I switch my torrent, I'm going to want to change his, like his name because his name does not work for me. It does not work for me for anything but him, quite frankly. If I change him to a different race, I'm going to change his name. His name is very Torin specific. Um, I actually have a Draenei running around with the wrong name because they did that and then I forgot. <laughs> And I'm like every so often I look and go, oh right, uh, start leveling you again. I gotta change your name. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it does really stink that like people will ruin it. But again, I think we can still 
meet a happy medium and at least find a way to accommodate both things. Uh, so I think we can move on to the next one here. Greetings, watchers. I have two questions. Warcraft of all old gods, why did Cho'Gal allied with uh, allied with Cthulhu? Wasn't Nazoth closer when he stepped through the dark portal? And then Diablo, what references are in the Diablo series of playable characters from the previous games? Extra question if you're able to talk about it. How is Anne doing? Uh, well, she'll be a guest in the podcast soon. Keep up the awesome podcast. Regards, cannot. Um, Wow, sorry, Kananga, Kananga, Zandalari Druid, also from Agra EU. I'm going to point out right now that if you miss Anne, uh, we do the D&D stream every month. Mm-hmm. Joe is running, like, he's in the middle of running a twofer, and Anne was in that, so if you want to hear more Anne, start listening to our D&D streams, guys. She's there every month. Uh, she seems okay, we're, we're happy for her, and, you know, she's a good D&D player, quite frankly, she's one of the better ones in the group. Uh... So yeah, there you go. That's a that's a plug for our D and D stream, and you can get to hear Anne every month. Uh, I don't know why you haven't been listening to it so far. I, I've worked very hard on it. I'm kind of hurt, quite frankly. <laughs> but that's that's the answer is the second question. For the first question, uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Uh, go for it. You could say that Nazoth was closer in a strictly geographical sense. But he was underneath a lot of ocean and surrounded by a lot of hostile Naga. Chogol would have had problems like learning to breathe water, dealing with the crushing depths of the ocean, dealing with like the really the entire army of Naga. Um, I'm not saying these are insurmountable problems, but Cthulhu was literally he just went to he got on a boat, went to Kalimdor, and then snuck past all the dormant Silithids who weren't doing anything because their god was sleeping. I mean, it's it's a pretty big difference. <laughs> yeah. It's the also, same reason he didn't just get on a boat and go to Northrend was, again, he, he was a lot easier to get to Kalimdor. At the time he was going across, he hitched a ride to the, to the, you know, he and his forces could kind of effectively, you know, use the distraction of, uh, oh, bloody heck, evil orc guy, great warlock, Gul'dan. Yes. Yeah, Remember, okay, Gul'dan, Gul'dan and his forces were going to, to the Tomb of Sargeras at the time to raid it and go inside and, and get what they believed would be, you know, godhood. He he basically used that trip, and then he just diverted him, himself and, and the ones that were loyal to him away. And by doing that, he effectively got past all the defenses that would have kept people away from Kalimdor. Because my Kalimdor at the time was shrouded. They had like a cloud cloud type thing, similar to Mr. Vandaria, although not as strong. That it was basically people didn't go there very often. Although that's actually an interesting thing that that's been coming out more and more. If you've been playing Battle for Azeroth, you've noticed that Night Elves and Blood Elves seem to actually have knowledge of each other going back thousands of years. Um Chandra's Feathermoon and uh I just want to say Dark Ranger Aurelia, they know each other to the point where like you know, really a blood elf snipes at Chandris. Mm-hmm. Like says, you know, oh, you're working with humans now. And Chandris is like, your, your, your attitudes about humans are outdated. And they, that's like, there's no way there's been a 10,000 year diff. There's this whole 10,000 year gap, but it seems like the night elves were going over from time to time. And they were interacting with the blood elves when they were high elves and maybe not in a particularly friendly way. But they were doing it. There was some connection kept open. 
and and we, there's no detail on that in game. There's just little tantalizing hints that oh yeah, the unseen path existed and we were we were both in it. For the even though that's been like you know for ten thousand years the unseen path is completely hidden from the world, but but they had you know high elf and night elf hunters in it and they were they were basically working together. They knew each other and they've known each other for a long time. So the connection between Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms was probably stronger than we realize. And Cho'Gall, when he got across, it wasn't all that hard for him to go south. Nobody was doing much. If you go and look at Tenaris, there's like, even today, there's like almost nothing but a couple of goblin towns in Tenaris. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty empty. The other thing, to, just to add to that too, and this is something that I think needs to be considered whenever you talk about the old gods, especially when you talk about Nazoth, yeah, we just got done dealing with Nazoth, and he was a big bad, but he was technically the weakest out of all of the old gods. Like, he was the runt of the litter. So that probably played a factor in it as well, you know, when, you know, which one made contact with Cho'Gall, if, depending on power level, not, uh, is escaping from their prisons in order to make contact, too. At least That's I thing, consider it's a factor. One thing you have to think about, too, when we're talking about Cho'Gall is, Cho'Gall and his minions were aware of the void from the, you know, we know about the ones that are on Draenor, like the ones that they would have run into, like the, the, the pale orcs and so forth. And they would have known about the void from like Naru that had been like fallen into their void state. But comparing that to the presence of multiple old gods on Azeroth, it's night and day. Like Cho'Gall was not prepared for what happened when he stepped through the portal. He, it was like, Imagine you're like you live wherever you live. It's a nice, let's say it's a nice day. It's warm springtime. You, you decide to go through a door. You step through that door. You and your buddies are going on a trip, so you're getting your stuff together. You get ready to go on an expedition. You step through, and suddenly a loudspeaker screams chaos in your head, really loud, and won't stop. And just for the rest of your life, there's a death metal band playing in your head. That's what happened to Chogol. That's what happened to a lot of the Twilight Hammer. That's why the Twilight Hammer went from a kind of a relatively loyal horde group. Like they remember the Twilight Hammer was a clan at one point. Yep. They were an orc clan. They went from an and, orc clan to disturbed cultists. Yeah. And it, it happened as soon as they stepped through into Azeroth, because Azeroth had not one, not two, not three, but potentially four or more old gods on it. It was like it was a crazy, it, it was literally like madness buffet. And in terms of why he went to Cho'Gall, why Cho'Gall went to Cthune, I honestly do think straight up, Cthune was the easiest one for him to get to first. Yep. Because he then left and went to Northrend and did the same thing for Yogg. It was Yogg. When you go into the Yogg encounter and you see those broken chains, that's that was Cho'Gall's work. The reason Yogg was escaping his prison at that time was because Cho'Gall showed up and basically did what Loken couldn't do for like millennia and figured out a way to break some of those chains. He figured out a way to get him out. And that was Cho'Gall's doing. So it's not that he wouldn't have worked for all of them. It's that he happened to know that when he got there, for when, when the crazy screaming in his head stopped and he could think again which took a while. Like the, there's a thing in, I think, I don't remember. I think it's in Chronicle two that talks about how when the horde arrived in Azeroth there, they, they, for a while, they were on the back foot. 
because their most powerful spellcasters were completely incapacitated. Yep, they weren't able to. They weren't able to get their heads on straight, so they couldn't actually fight back. So, what do you do that at that last, point? That, that lasted, lasted a while. for a while. Yeah, it wasn't until Gul'dan and the Fellcasters started stepping up. I mean, if you look at the whole history of Blackrock Mountain, that's why it, the the basically the Horde couldn't make any inroads in there. The the Blackrock were just the the Dark Iron Dwarves who lived in the in the in the downstairs and in in. in Blackrock Depths and the Dragonkin who lived up on the top of the tower, they both they were entrenched and their and their magic worked fine. In terms of the the ones in the Dark Irons, Dark Irons knew how to deal with the maddening whispers of the earth. They'd been doing it for a long time. They had Ragnaros literally sitting on their heads. They they were capable of of dealing with the elements in a way that the Twilight Hammer simply couldn't at that time. They were just they couldn't focus. So that's a that's a factor as well. Chogall spent a lot of time just trying to go from like, if you look, it's really kind of funny to watch Chogall his his, his portrayals in game. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at him in Warcraft Two, he's he's not like you know this is a guy who has conversations with himself, but he didn't used to be one of me is completely raving insane and the other of me is a bloodthirsty maniac. He used to be both of me are kind of bloodthirsty maniacs. But when he goes to Azeroth, he loses it. He's, he's part of him is literally just continuously listening to the old gods. That's why you've got like when you when you go bash in the twilight and you do the fight with Jogal, one of his heads is saying things like words, words, words. The master wants murder. You know, and the other one's like, I'm trying to talk because he's he's continuously having an argument with himself. A lot of his followers didn't even have that because they didn't have two heads. They couldn't have one head go nuts and the other head stay somewhat sane. They had just the one head and it was just nuts. So it is fascinating to, to, to look at that stuff. I, I think a lot of that has to do with why Chogal went where he went and did what he did. I think he basically said, okay, the Night Elves control a lot of Kalimdor, but they're barely paying attention to the southern part. They, they, they think that they, the war has been won and they've trapped those guys forever and I can get around them. They're not, they're not trying. And that's basically why he went south. That's why he went to, to Cthulhu first, because he was the easiest to get to. Yeah, I mean that makes perfect sense. I really don't have anything else to add because, well, I basically said my piece about the power level being probably a factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Too that that is also part of it. That's why his next stop was Nazoth, was not was Yog. Yep, because Yog was, was Yog was on powerful. the surface and he is pretty powerful. So yeah. Yep. Uh, as far as Diablo stuff, I don't know. Uh, if I'm going to get this right, but there's two that I know of uh, regarding that question of where we see examples of uh, previous characters as NPCs in other games. Uh, first one is Bloodraven. I believe that was the former rogue from Diablo 1. Am I right? It, that's actually Bloodraven. There's another one. Basically, any of the playable heroes from Diablo yep. appear in Diablo 2. They all yep. do. All three of them. All, all of them do, yep. Bloodraven, um, I forget what the, the, the what the, the wizard gets turned into, but he's there too. And obviously, uh, the the fighter is the Dark Wanderer. Aiden, that character is yep. turns gets turned into Diablo. So they're all there, yeah. And then in Diablo three, I know for a fact, and and this is, um, the most prevalent to me is the Necromancer because that is the Necromancer. Honestly, no, no, it isn't. I thought it was. No, the necromancer that shows up in Diablo 3 is the student of the necromancer from Diablo 3. Oh! He is not Zul. 
the the, the necromancer from Diablo 2 is named Zul. That guy does not show up in Diablo 3, but his ah, student I stand corrected. Does. I stand corrected. But, but there is definitely a connection there. Like that guy that you see in the desert of Chaldeum is the he is was taught by the necromancer from Diablo 2. Um so and there was originally the barbarian that you play in Diablo 3 was going to be the barbarian from Diablo 2 but they couldn't make the dialogue work correctly because they would have had to change it for that character specifically. Like when that guy saw Kane, he would have been, Hey Kane, it's me. And they, they couldn't make it work just for that one guy. And it wouldn't even be for like the female, the, you know, obviously the female barbarian wasn't the barbarian from Diablo two. She was much younger. Um, so they would, they were like, okay, we're not going to do this, but that's what we were thinking we were doing. That's why the, the visual design of the barbarian from Diablo three when you play the male one that's why he's so much older and has the gray hair and he's he was meant to be the same guy but Hmm. they ended up not going with it yeah i think i remember that about the barbarian i were there other references to other playable characters that that as npcs like in diablo they mentioned they mentioned the uh they, they mentioned the amazon obliquely by mentioning the scovos isles but we don't actually ever see them right like no no nobody else shows up there's no appearance by any of those characters. Uh, there's there's some gear mentions, but other than that, no, nothing. I guess then if I'm going to sort of co-opt this question a little bit. If, Did you read this question? Because I don't remember it. I'm answering you as you talk. Yeah, but Diablo, I what references are in the Diablo series of playable characters from the previous game? Okay. Yeah, that was, that was it. Uh, going into Diablo 4... What I mean, we're obviously going to have some references to some previous characters. Are there any that you really hope that they they really reference or that they bring back that maybe whether they're player characters or even just NPCs that you want to see back in the universe that haven't already been referenced or brought back? Um, I know one of the things I'm thinking about is when Diablo Immortal comes out, we're going to see characters show up again. Um. Uh, and some of those characters will be characters that actually appeared in Diablo 3 will be showing up in Diablo Immortal. Uh, for instance, the Demon Hunter, the, the, the Demon Hunter will be there as a young student. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things they've mentioned. Uh, we know that the characters that were in the books that bridged Diablo 2 and 3, for instance, if you play Diablo Immortal, you'll find out how somebody was wandering around with Tyrael's sword for 20 years doing good deeds until he managed to rebuild himself. Um, so there's somebody walking around using Eldruin and, and trying to protect Sanctuary from demons while the world attempted to put itself back together after that big explosion. So that guy shows up. There's a few others. Um, and what's his? Uh, Zoltan Cool shows up in Diablo Immortal. Well, yeah, he was. I, we never played as him though, but he's definitely oh, there. He's in but Diablo he's, Three. He's the Haradrim, right? He's one of the Haradrim. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's like the the Haradrim who went nuts. But yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is that. Other than, like, for instance, I mentioned that the, the Demon Hunter from Diablo 3, not a lot of playable characters ever come back. They kind of come and go. So, it just in general, playable characters from previous games, or in this case, yeah, it is still a reference to Diablo 3, which is a game that technically is a previous game to Diablo Immortal. So there's that reference in Immortal to the Demon Hunter. I don't know if there's any references like that in Diablo 4, I'm still wondering if yet. the druid that they show in the the sequence at the beginning is if it's the druid from Diablo two. I don't the, know. Not uh, the, not the, the one. That, not the one that's alive. <laughs> the one that's the, being the, buried. It's possible. I don't know. Um, I do know that the there's some connection to the various the classes are 
deliberately being, you know, ones that have been in previous games. So I, for all I know, that the, the, the sorcerer you play in this game is the student of this. That's another thing. Actually, I, I, I was wrong. The, the wizard you play in Diablo 3 runs away from the sorcerer from Diablo 2. Oh, okay. Her, her, that was her direct mentor. So that happens. I had forgotten about that. But yeah, that's a reference Diablo 3 has to Diablo 2. Um, you actually are trained by the sorcerer from Diablo 2. And you revel because she wants you to do things. She wants you to be like more like her, basically. And you're like, no, I'm going to go do things my way. Because, so, you know, that's, that's the tale as old as time, the hero trope thing. But that, I think that's basically it for Diablo. I, I don't think there are that many direct references to previously playable characters other than the ones that we've discussed. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, I think we have one last one. This is a bit of a long one, and this is from Bootzilla, who is a cow bird bear of Hygel. Uh, Let's see here. I am a regular listener to both podcasts. While listening to an episode where you guys were talking about the new leveling experience, I had a thought. Do you think Blizzard will continue to leave the level cap at 60? I could see a system where each new expansion dropped your level to 50, and the previous expansion is added to the list of 1 to 50 leveling choices. What do you guys think? Um, I'm going to read the whole thing because there's some tangents here that might actually lead into this one. Uh, so a couple of side tangents. Hey, look at that. I realized I'm bad at phrasing questions, but y'all have always came through in a roundabout way. Uh, kudos for interpreting rants into coherent answers. Well, you're welcome. Uh, I've spent the last year working uh, a bunch of side hustles and I've really dug into pocket. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think we'll do the first ones. We can answer the first ones first. Then we'll go yeah. back to this. This is, this is definitely a side tangent. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually the best system uh, with keeping the cap at 60, rolling you back to 50, and then moving everything else aside. I think it's going to depend how well this works. Because don't forget, we haven't really seen how well this works yet because the game's just leaving alpha. So if the transition yeah. is if the transition's smooth, I could see them maybe considering that. It comes down to, like, right now, the people who have mostly been leveling on the alpha are either people who just like to go poke around and do leveling stuff or people who are like nuts to level as fast as humanly possible and break every possible aspect of this system. Both are, are great, but they, there aren't enough to really understand how this is going to play out for the average player. For that, you need more people. You need to have an actual beta test with a couple thousand people, a couple you know, up to 10,000, 20,000 and more, however many people you're going to end up channeling through the beta. You need a, a significant amount of them actually doing all the leveling content to, to find all the places where it doesn't work anymore, where the, where the scaling is screwy, where it feels odd you know, to, to suddenly go from, say, Exile's Reach to Battle for Azeroth. How does that feel? Does it feel like suitable, or do you feel strange about it? There's, there's yeah. a lot of testing that needs to be done before you can make any real conclusions as to how well it would work that being said i do not believe that it is going to be their first choice to do this i think they're going to want for at least the next couple expansions to give people a feeling of progression i, I agree and the reason for that is progression feels good we talked about it earlier when we talked about having those sort of rewards those points where uh you hit sort of a goal 
and that ding, that that experience boost, or in my case, the John Cena music playing whenever I hit a level, is a, a reward for me hitting that milestone. And it's that little bit of endorphin rush. And, and everybody has, a, a, to varying degrees, sort of that feeling of accomplishment when you hit that level. They had this problem specifically, oh God, why can't I remember the expansion, where they only give us five levels. The first one. Cataclysm, they did that. Yeah, yeah, Cataclysm. So th- this was a big criticism uh, like during that time where a lot of players felt like this. And you can go back in the forums and you can see a whole bunch of this stuff. Players didn't feel like five levels felt like enough. Now, what you're saying here is ten levels, sure. Uh, but the other side of the coin is, how does it feel to be pushed back? And that's the other side of the coin. Because if level squish always feels weird. So if you're doing that technically level squish every single expansion how does that wind up for player base how does that wind up making you feel as a player there's a, there's a treadmilling ex, there's a treadmilling aspect to all MMOs yeah. and that it's just it's always there it's how well do you, you hide it you want to disguise it to some degree you don't want players to feel like well there's no point to me leveling to 60 now because they're just going to make me level 50 again at the end of this expansion yeah, it feels like almost gonna... Sisyphean or whatever, or however you want to yeah. say it. Like, you're rolling that rock uphill all the time. No, that's true regardless of what they do. Sure. Right? But, but there's, this, there's a thing about... One of the things we talk about when we talk about just RPGs in general is the game story being on rails. And what they mean by that is there are only so many options that you are actually able to pick. And then... Even if you're like, I, I don't want to go confront the great evil mastermind. I just want to go exploring. Eventually, you have to confront the evil mastermind because that is what the game has for you to do. Now, tabletop games can get away with a lot. Like, if I have my players decide they're not going to go to the Magic City, but instead <laughs> end around, I can, I can adjust and I can put the, the weird monster encounter I had for them in the forest in the direction they were going anyway. They get the same content, and they don't know any different because they didn't go to the city and have the encounter there. There's, these are things that can happen. If you're, if you're in a system like World of Warcraft where, okay, after like 16 years, we're going to make you go down back down to level 50 and level up from there. Every 16 years is a re- relatively enough time that people don't feel imme- – like the feeling is not like this happening again. It happened once in 16 years, guys. That, but if you're doing it every expansion, it means every two years you're back to level 50. I don't see that working. Um, I've honestly wondered, like, what if they just did an expansion where you stayed level 60 and you didn't level in the next expansion? <clears throat> that would be a different thing. That wouldn't feel like regression. But it also wouldn't feel like progression. Progression is a very key part of the sensation of an MMO. Yeah. You, you need to feel like you are doing something when you are doing something. If it always feels like nothing you do matters and you don't get anything accomplished, the, the, our, for lack of a better word, our, our brains are wired to give us pleasure, give us little dopamine bursts when we feel like we did something. It's a little, ooh, okay, yeah, I, I leveled. Uh, it's like, you know, like, like Joe was just saying, it's like that moment where Randy Orton just destroys John Cena. Yeah. Because he deserves it. John Cena's terrible. As a person, he's great, but his character is just so... Yeah, but, so you, but it's the same thing. Like, it's, it's, the, it's those moments. It's that moment. Yeah. You have those little moments, and you can't... You have to be very careful about taking them away from people. 
That's one of the things you'll notice is that they're taking away levels, but they're not taking anything actually away from your character. And they're like replacing still- and they're replacing some of that stuff too with other other milestones for you to earn to continue to get those rushes, right? Yeah, like- exactly. You don't want you have to be extremely careful about it. Could they do what you're suggesting? Yes. They could do it. Are they going to do what you're suggesting? I don't think they're going to do it as soon as the very next expansion. I think they're going to they're willing to go up to say level seventy or level eighty or level 90 before they start thinking about, okay, do we need to squish again? The game got up to 120 the first time mm-hmm. before they felt the need to squish. And and keep in mind, too, the squish was not, strictly speaking, physically necessary. They didn't have to do it. They did it so that they'd have breathing room down the road. They have breathing room now. They've done it. They've got all that time. That's like, if they do 10, if they do 10 levels per expansion... Level 100 is now four expansions from now. Yeah, and that's more that's breathing eight, room. That's eight years if they do an expansion every two years. That's eight years before they'd have to worry about that again. So I don't think they're going to immediately do it as soon as they go to the next expansion after Shadowlands. I think they're going to like let Shadowlands be the 50 to 60 and then let the new expansion be 70 to 80. And, and not immediately make everything one to, you know 10 to 50 including shadowlands but that's just my opinion in partially in part because i think it would feel really weird to go from exiles reach straight into shadowlands um, yeah congratulations hero you saved our, our naval expedition and you you got the people from that boat back to orgrimmar now go to the land of death <laughs> like um can i can i get a new sword first no immediately to the land of death with you I want you to confront an omni- a nearly omnipotent being of pure death power. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's a little much to ask a level 10 mage, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, eventually, that probably will be the case, that that will be content like that. But I don't think it's going to be next expansion. Yeah, and it's going to be a while. Like I said, or like Matt said, it's something that they could do, but I, I don't see it being super likely. Think about it as a player. Would you be happy you just got to level 60? And they immediately roll you back to 50 again. That feels like, you know, that's a little much, guys. That That's that's a bit that's a bit Sisyphean right there. Yeah, you want to talk about Sisyphus, that's Sisyphus. Every 10 levels, over and over again, you just keep going to level 60, and then you're back to 50. Yeah, I don't, I don't see people enjoying that. Yeah. And uh, as Auto Luke points out in, in chat, too, like, a lot of the stuff that they're doing with Squish isn't necessarily ever about us. Uh, it's also about making sure that it doesn't feel insurmountable to new players. And so sometimes there's a lot of choice around that as well. When is the right time to lower that bar so that a player who may have been gone for the game for 10 years looks at it and says, hey, when I played this game, the maximum level was 60. Now it's 120. What? I remember how long it took me to grind to 60. I don't want to do that again, but then they come back to this one. It's like, oh, the max level 60. I remember that. Okay. It, it lowers that barrier just a little bit. Um, and because of this, and I think they did, they did this with Cataclysm too. Like there was a huge marketing campaign around it when they did it because it was making it more accessible. And as Audiluke points out, and this is a very, very astute observation, I wouldn't be surprised if as soon as beta starts rolling along smoothly, we start seeing the hype machine 
uh, really start pushing for like a huge marketing campaign behind Shadowlands because this is exactly the time that they would start focusing on new players to sort of say, hey, look, we've revamped the leveling experience. It's, you know, completely different than what it's easier than ever to get in and enjoy the game and to experience the story of our world. And you get to choose how you play and look at all these cool things we put in for all these RPG elements that you can customize your gameplay. These are all things that really appeal to potentially new player bases. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing something really pushing around that. And I think that also plays into the decision as well. Not just things are getting too bloated, but also do we need to lower the limbo bar again or raise it as it was? So I think that plays into it as well. But we are a little bit over. Do we want to answer more of the questions or do we want to save them for next time where we can answer more of Bootzilla stuff? I feel like saving them would be a good idea. All right, so I'm sorry about that, Bootzilla. We will answer those the next time we meet. Uh, in the meantime, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you, the listeners of Blizzard Watch Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. This would be a really good opportunity to sign up using our little slash here that I'm going to give you and maybe check out uh, Shadows Rising, which is read by the amazing, talented voice actor that does Talanji. Uh, you can download many of Blizzard's titles as well as thousands of others at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Thank you very much, Joe. And I practically imagined you sitting at a desk going, oh, look what I found here. It's Shadows Rising. And you're bringing up the book because that just, that's how it popped into my head. I'm good at marketing uh, when I want to be. <laughs> So, guys, uh, if you have an email or a question for the show, you can either go to our, our Discord. We've got the Q, the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel and also a straight-up you know, podcast, uh, a straight-up Q Questions channel, both of which we look at for questions for the po podcast as well. Uh, or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Well, that's been a podcast that has. Uh, thank you guys very much for being here. Uh, on behalf of Joe and myself, I want to say thanks for being around, and we will be here next week. 